Dennis? It's a long story, but actually I prefer Denise if you don't mind. Drop it! Duncan and both come correct. Hi everyone, it's Bo here. Um, I'm sorry that we weren't with you last week. Um, that was my fault. Uh, sometimes work creates a situation which is r- difficult for me to record uh, weeknights. Um, and I wanted to apologize sincerely to all of you. But this week, we're going to have two episodes. So how about that? Assholes. Sorry, Duncan is also here to keep me from calling our listeners assholes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here. I would just like to say that I'm sorry that I wasn't in you last week, but I'm a happily married man, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was kind of a bummer. I, I was really disappointed that we weren't uh, we weren't putting out an episode last week because I had no art to look at. <laughs> On Friday <laughs> afternoon, at like as I'm wrapping up my work week, killing time. I was uh, getting withdrawals. I was walking a bit, my work going. Duncan screeching like a hawk again. Yeah. Or so, as was... the Scottish say, <laughs> Duncan broke a <laughs> A broke a what? <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, no, it was like I was, I was, I was, I was mishearing things at work. Like people were saying, you know, do we need these post-it notes? Should we order them in bulk? And I thought they said hawk. I was like, Ka-ka! yeah. Well, that's that's bound to happen, especially in Scotland. You know, yep. uh, it's a thick brogue. Yes. Um, yes. I was um, answering the phone and going. Ed! <laughs> Ed, no one knows what I do. Yeah. What do I do for a living, Ed? It's uh, computers and maps. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I uh, so I did. I had like um, like crazy withdrawals from from this, and so much so that I have actually watched this particular episode three times now oh, okay. uh, in the last week because uh, we. I, we originally were going to do a double episode, but then we recorded the the longest take on one episode ever, and it wasn't even really a good episode. Um, our our episode of it though was excellent, but the actual episode we're talking about was not all that great. Yeah. Um, and then and then obviously watched it, but then we delayed it again, and then watched it again tonight. Um, so, <laughs> um, and this one's not a particularly great episode either. <laughs> Well, it's got high school romance, and that's always fun. Um, oh. Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. Just calm yourself, sir. It is all going to be all right. Um, so, by the way, I, I have uh, a, a, a subtitle for this episode. I know that, you know, when we talk about Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies, which is the episode listeners that you happen to be tuned into. Um, if right. you If you meant to listen to a different episode or different podcast well here you are and what's the point in turning it off now yeah um, plus plus how silly are you it clearly said it on the description why do you not look at things before you play them how irresponsible are you take a look at yourself in the mirror right now that's right you suck we have individually attacked the audience now like both of us are clearly 
choosing sides. And I'm honestly happy to see that you chose like Team Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaksies as opposed to the audience, which I always feel like there's an element of uh like uh opportunistic nature in you of like <laughs> if if perhaps the audience started to gain a little more traction, get a little more power on the show that you turn turn coat in no time. Uh, what what you're saying is that we are in a podcast relationship where if the opportunity presents itself for me to fuck you over hard, I'll take it. I'm saying I'm pleased to see that that is not the case. <laughs> I'm Scottish. I unless you, unless you didn't know, which means that just any opportunity to to badmouth and be angry and wave an accusatory finger at someone if that is listener or co-host alike i will do it all right fair enough so an equal opportunity curmudgeon yes duncan mick unleashed <laughs> that's pretty bad bull um, i don't know i kind of like it listeners get to it let's see that artwork um so round them up rans though um so... round them up Jesus yeah, that's Christ. your that's your that's your new nickname. Round them up, Ransdale. All right, that's I'm, what they call you on a Saturday night when you're out. Uh, yeah, that's what they call me, but it's it's mostly hey. because of the number of tabs I've walked out on. <laughs> <laughs> How much? That's outrageous. This place seems crowded, and I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> I just thought I was because you were a high tipper. You just no. No, no, that's what, fortunately I live in a town that has a number of bars because I can't go to the same one twice. <laughs> oh well, the economy's fucked anyway, so you only have to give it a month before it changes hands. <laughs> yeah, I right. I I like at this point I'm down to O Charlie's bars and hotel bars. Um, so you know, fingers crossed, somebody opens a new place pretty soon. Hotel bars are amazing because there's a higher chance of hookers. Uh, <laughs> I suppose that is true. Um, I've never thought of it that way, Duncan. Lies, Bo. Um <laughs> No, now that you've said it, I'm like, I should really hang out in some of the really nice hotel bars in this area because there are some very nice ones. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Well, now I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Cruising for high-end hookers strikes again yep yep like i <laughs> doesn't pays bar tab doesn't pays hooker tab yeah i mean the, the kind of hookers i go to offer coupons <laughs> <laughs> like you can get like some some deep discounts no pun intended oh. uh from the money saver every sunday so that's I'm a I'm a smart shopper, Duncan. That's what the real lesson is here. This is what I'm taking away from this entire show. <laughs> um, speaking of hookers, <laughs> uh, I feel as if we should turn our attention to two movie whores, and I mean us, Duncan. Yeah. Um, so we continue to watch movies in addition to Twin Peaks, and we like to discuss uh, whatever's tickling our fancy or was worthy of note um, oh. since we last recorded. And and so, uh, what about you, sir? Have you seen anything recently that's got uh, 
the the hockles on your cockles all fired up <laughs> no i've got i got a cream for that but um <laughs> it's, it's all taken care of now that's why you it's smell like camper <laughs> it's all that hockle cream yeah since we, we got in trouble that time i lifted the wrong the wrong tube and it was deep heat mm. That is not where you don't want deep heat on your hockles. No, no, I found it that it, it is possible for someone um, of my age and my vocal tone to sing soprano. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's the noise. That's that's what Nadine sounds like. Nadine is the result of deep heat on vaginal lips. Yep. <laughs> Now, Darren Wilson is listening to this, and I'm just telling you right now, do not meme that. <laughs> yeah, well, that might... You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Uh, let's see that. Um, let's, let's bring this podcast network down once and for all. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah. No, I had a question to you. What did you watch? And then you started talking about vaginas. Vagina. 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 We... They're vaginal manipulators. <laughs> vagina. All right. So you can touch their vagina. Grab them right there. You're famous. They let you do it. Their climate control is a myth. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the G spot is a myth. The G spot yeah, is a myth <laughs> about the doesn't... vagina from China. <laughs> D- Donald Trump can't reach the G stop with his tiny cock and tiny hands. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, make fun of our president, Duncan. It's cool if we do it, but that's our word. Yeah, he's a dickhead. Yeah, um, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a national disgrace. <laughs> right. So, what have I watched recently that I've liked? Um, well, funnily enough, we have exhausted a, a rather comprehensive list. Uh, and a recording that we did last night, which is now available for people to listen to when I guested on your other show, Devour the Podcast, um, which was a ton of fun. Not familiar, um, but all right. And people should go and listen to that because we, we talk about a, a little Rob Zombie movie called 31 and um, how Bo was specifically a ball here away from uh, deeming it not a movie. Um, so, you know, yeah. that close that close um and i, I so I, I go into a bit more detail so i'll quickly get into this one because i don't want you to roll your eyes um but, but i got the 4k restoration of argento's debut movie bird with the crystal plumage and i think it's probably of all the masters of horror um that there is i think in terms of debuts his is probably the strongest yeah, Michael um, Palin is so funny. <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, beautiful plumage, ain't it? <laughs> oh, Bo, why you do this to me? <laughs> um, like, no, like, in, in, in all seriousness, if I think about like the the, the main masters of horror and the, the movies that they kick off their careers with, I don't think any of them have a debut as strong across the board as Argento's debut. And I'm even including Carpenter with that one. As much as I love Dark Star, and I think Dark Star is a great movie, I don't think it's anywhere near the, no. the kind of 
it's, the skills fit. It's almost not a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, I think Argento just, and that's obviously because he grew up in a, a very different, you know, country when it came to filmmaking and that it was pretty much a family business and you were surrounded by some of the greatest filmmakers collaborating with them. I mean, he collaborated with Mario Bava at Bava's height. He was already working with him, learning the skill and et cetera. So when he comes off to make that movie, you know, he, he, it just fires on all cylinders. I think it's an absolute wonderful movie and seeing it in, um, in like the, the 4K restoration, it just, it, I think people just like to rag on about the fact that oh, Argento's got such a, you know, he's very, a very visual director and such a great visual style and all the rest, as if that's just something to be easily dismissed. Um, and I think that movie obviously has a lot of narrative as well, which is like a rarity in some of the later Argento. But when you see the combination of both, but specifically how beautifully that movie is shot as, I mean, it's, he, he was made, he was doing movies and techniques and, and styles of filming and cinematography, which is light years ahead of what was happening at the time. Um, and yeah, the, I just think just in general, the movie is, a, it's just a great murder mystery movie. Um, and you can see where that guy would go. And that, that whole decade for, for our gentle minus the, the kind of drama comedy released in the middle, uh, five nights in Milan. When you take that one out, his entire filmography in the seventies is nothing short of extraordinary. So, um, and it's great to see that. It's great to see as well that he is a filmmaker that people are still referencing and, you know, still, still acknowledging as one of the, the more prominent voices, uh, in horror cinema, even though you consider he hasn't really made a good movie now in almost 20 years, um, maybe slightly longer if you don't like Sleepless. Uh, you could be you could be clocking towards the 30-year mark. <clears throat> so I think it's incredible that, you know, he's still looked at with the reverence that he is. It's a great movie. I absolutely love it. So. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the, the Blu-ray transfer on that, but I am... Uh... I'm curious to go back and watch that again. I was uh, I was listening to a lot of Goblin at work today. I did notice that, yeah. And uh, I, I went through the scores for Dawn of the Dead, Phenomenon, Suspiria, uh, Profundo Rossi, which is a way better sounding title than Deep Red. But um, <laughs> I, I know, like, I'm only using the Italian on the cool sounding one, but... <laughs> um and then uh oh, the, the thing about that is profondo rosso actually does translate to deep red so <laughs> right it doesn't matter it's just awesome profondo rosso sounds like like it sounds like the best wine that you can't afford yeah oh it's so good but yeah so i'm really looking forward to that i'm I'm jealous that uh you you have like i shouldn't be jealous because it's a thing i could just go buy Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to just sit here and hate you for it. <laughs> but one of those things is less fun than the other. <laughs> if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd opt to do the same as you. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a cool movie. Um, I have watched... See, unlike yourself, I actually figured we'd be recording, so I sandbagged a movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so I watched XX, the female oh. horror director, an- anthology. 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 I've heard it's pronounced. Anthology. 
Anthology. Um, that God, we this show is getting stupid, Duncan. We are we are uh, burning calories on finding different ways to pronounce anthology. <laughs> you uh, do a little water. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I don't know. Like I, at a certain point, I start to wonder every episode if we have just lost our goddamn minds. And that no one, like everyone else, is just too polite to be like, "You guys need to stop doing this show. It's it's harmful to both of you." Yeah, I agreed. All right. Well, as long as we're on the same page. So I watched the female horror director Antology, um, XX, and I, you know, I'd heard quite a bit of negative stuff surrounding that movie. I think mm-hmm. like every anthology film, it is uneven. I think there are a couple of really good ones, and I don't think there's an absolutely shitty one in amongst the four. Um, I think, I think two of them. I think one is really good. I think one is pretty good, and I think two are okay. Is kind of where I landed on it, but I thought it was fine. You know, like, I wish I, I, like, my hot take on XX is, yeah, it's all right. I hope they do another one. Yeah, I I like the, I like the premise behind that. I'm still to check it out. It's not been formally released in the UK yet. Um, Formally? With a top hat? (laughs) Hello. Welcome to my release party. (laughs) Well, hello, England. I am XX. Odd that I should be speaking in a real voice. So, yes, it's not been uh, formally released in the UK, so I've still to see it, but I quite dig the idea. I like, I like the occasional anthology. Um, I always go in pretty much pessimistic that, you know, there's going to be a couple in there that I will not like, but if I get at least one short... That is good. Um, I, I usually walk away feeling fairly positive because, like you know, there's generally a name attached to that that I can look forward to seeing where they go after it, um, or or go and check what they've done already. So, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to checking that one out. But I, I had heard very similar to what you were saying. There was a lot of people saying that that wasn't very good. Um, yeah, so. I mean, it's no you know creep show or trick or treat or like like the upper echelon of anthologies where it's just like son of a bitch that is good um it's you know it kind of falls more into the bhs territory only it's there's only four stories so mm-hmm. it, it you know i i can't remember I, it seems to me that bhs is usually like five i want to say it was, suppo- it was supposed to be five but um, one of the directors passed away Oh, well, that's a shame. Um, yeah, before making the movie, so I believe they just kept it down to four just to, to forgo trying to get someone in to fill that space. Oh, well, now I feel bad for all the terrible things I wrote on YouTube. Um, <laughs> that's what I spend most of my time outside the show doing is hateful YouTube commenting. To try to find videos where no one's commenting so you can write the word first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I I feel like I've lapped the the YouTube rounds on that one. I need to start going back through the list. Um, you can find me at Cool Guy sixty nine on YouTube, <laughs> where you can see me like firsties on uh, 
a number of ASMR videos. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear what you thought. I thought the first one in particular was very good, but it was based on a Jack Ketchum story. Oh, right. And is really creepy. Uh, it's just a, a, a nice little nugget of horror. Um, and then the second one is the one that's directed by St. Vincent, um, who is in a, an odd way, kind of a David Byrne protege. Mm -hmm. Um, and her, her short, I was kind of gearing myself up to really not like it as I was watching it. Cause it was kind of going all over the place. And then I, I felt like I really enjoyed the style of it, but I didn't think there was any point to it. And then it makes its point with kind of a punchline. And oh. when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, well, that was kind of clever. Um, and then the last two in both those cases, I felt like could have been in any old. I'll, I'll tell you, the thing that was most interesting about it was uh, that none of those stories were necessarily gender focused. Mm -hmm. You know, like for it being a horror anthology collecting the visions of of women horror directors which i think is a fantastic idea I, I think differing viewpoints is always better for art you know uh getting new perspectives on it and i i kind of in a weird way wish they had leaned into that a bit more that it hadn't just been oh here are four horror female horror directors and here are the the shorts that they're presenting to you i didn't I don't know that there is anything I saw in any of them that I felt like could not have been directed by a guy, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's the point too. Maybe that's the larger point. It's just like, yeah, it's a, yes, they're female horror directors that are no better or worse than the male horror directors. Um, I don't know. You'll have to explain it to me when, once you watch it, Duncan, <laughs> my, my primitive American brain only, Sees no shades of gray. I don't understand it, Duncan. I tried to eat it, and then I tried to fuck it, and then I killed it. Um, but, yeah. So, check it out. Um, <laughs> don't know where to go with that. Yeah, um, uh, yeah you kind of <laughs> left me in the lurch on that one. I, I appreciate it. Uh, that, was like, that was like, give him enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> um, yeah, well. Speaking of rope... <laughs> <laughs> tonight's episode is uh episode 11 of uh of season two uh we are firmly at the halfway mark of season two at this point putting us by the way at about the midway point of this entire series as a midway point so hello listeners what you know about that um <laughs> uh, you're listening yeah. to the, the 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 peak episode, the one in the middle, the one when we've got the most good work behind us and we haven't just totally lost interest in the last, like, three. Yeah, I thought your segue when you were like that. Speaking of rope, this episode's ropey. Um, but you didn't do that, and I'm glad you didn't do that, because as soon as I said that, I hated myself. So Yeah, I, well, I, I'm <laughs> here to help you more than anything, Duncan. Um, he says, drinking a delicious Coca-Cola. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, Ooh, that is, oh, it's like drinking candy. Um, <laughs> I like a Coke every now and again, but no, all right, I, so, I, love, I, love, I love how you like that. 
it's, it's all about it's all about um, tone when it comes to how you say words. You know what I mean? So you're you're like, oh, it's like drinking candy, whilst your heart is like, ah, oh, it's like drinking candy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. How about you make that a tab, you fat fuck? Um, <laughs> that's what my heart's saying. And I'm like, shut up. You'll get your cookies later. Maybe um, I should drink it through a Twizzler. Um, yeah. Yeah. How would you like that oh, stupid heart? <laughs> I can replace you with a piece of machinery. Yeah. Oh, God. If I could if I could put my brain into a robot body, Duncan. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit on on the Westworld show, but I would do it in a fucking heartbeat. It would take no time for that decision to be made. Be like, would you like this robot? Yes. <laughs> What do I got to do? Who do I have to kill? You don't have to kill anyone. We'll just put you in it. I will kill someone to get in the thing. <laughs> you don't have to. Don't make me kill you. Uh, <laughs> I will kill you not to tell me to kill someone. <laughs> uh, tonight's episode, Duncan, <laughs> is called Masked Ball. Um, yes. It is directed by Dwayne Dunham. Uh, Dwayne Dunham is a director a television film and episode director uh did two episodes of the twin peaks and um edited though was was served as the editor on like uh uh, blue velvet and i think wild at heart as well so like guy's been around lynch for a while uh hold on edited uh return of the jedi blue velvet wild at heart cherry 2000 did some editing work on this TV series as well as the new one. So, ah, yeah. Th- well, there was always that weird rumor that flew around that David Lynch was approached originally to direct Return of the Jedi and he turned it down and did Dune instead. Huh. I wonder if maybe Dwayne Dunham got in on Return of the Jedi that way. I think that's most likely what happened. Oh, God, God, this podcast is so good, Duncan. People are learning <laughs> shit. Right. Also, what I wouldn't give to see David Lynch's Return of the Jedi. Could of you course. imagine? Oh, dear God. Yeah. Those oh. Ewoks would be dancing backwards and speaking backwards. <laughs> He's gonna have sex with an Ewok. <laughs> Plus, David, David Lynch would play the role of the Emperor. Oh, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Let your hate flow through you. It's fine. It's a lot of hate, but it looks good from here. (laughs) Oh, it's the movie I need to see. Hey, hey, hey. Are you trying to throw me down that shaft? Because lightning will come out of my fingers all the way down. It looks weird. Put me me down for a second, then you can throw me in. Like, in some weird parallel universe, Jodorowsky got to make Dune, and David Lynch got to make Return of the Jedi, and I kind of wish I lived in that reality now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I I mean, I agree, but don't you think that Dune is sort of the Return of the Jedi we kind of would have seen? Oh yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I think he, d- I think he probably opted to do Dune because he had more creative control sure. of what 
what he was going to do there, and I don't think he would have nearly got... Well, we, we have all heard about what George Lucas is like. I don't think for one second... I mean, that's peak Lucas at that point, you know what I mean? That you would have had... He would have had the option to do as much as he would have wanted. Plus, I mean, like I'm saying it would have been a great thing and all the rest. I just don't see how it would work at all. I just don't see David Lynch as that sort of director. I think the reason I like David Lynch's Dune movie is because it's wonderfully David Lynch. Yeah. There's some artistic choices and some narrative choices that he, he decides to put in that movie that just are weird as fuck. Um, but hearing I, like Luke Skywalker's interior monologue in Jedi... Yeah. Of like approaching Jabba's palace and being like, you know, fear is the mind killer. Oh, I mean, I would, I I, I would be watching that and masturbating right now. You you would, you like, let's put it this way. We would have had like a five minute scene of Boba Fett being consumed by uh, the, the pit of Sarlacc. Yeah. And just Jabba like cutting uncomfortably close to Jabba, just laughing as he watches. Yeah. Yeah, like you, Jabba, oh, oh. Hutt, Jabba, Jabba the Hutt would have had his face buried in Leia's snatch, saying, "Baby, what's the fuck?" Yeah. Oh no, 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 solo. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> perfect. Uh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I mean, Jabba I mean, looked I mean, like labia anyway. It, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. We'll just leave that to our listeners. Yeah, we don't. We don't have to talk anymore uh, about that. But but yeah yeah. So I mean uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably how uh, Dwayne Dunham ended up there. I also do think that Dwayne Dunham sounds like like if you change slightly the way that you you, you say the word, kind of sounds like the kind of cutesy thing you say to a small baby. Oh, Dwayne Dunham, the boom. Like the baby's just like what? Right. Um, so that's how we got his name. Yeah, <laughs> his parents were like, "Do we do 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 we do 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 do?" That's his name. That's clearly we are not calling him Rick. We are calling him Dwayne Dunham. So uh, we have to change our last names now to fit this stupid idea that you have, <laughs> Sarah. Uh, Thanks. Jeez. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, directed by Dwayne Dunham. Uh, written by Barry Pullman. Uh, who also wrote a, a couple of episodes of the show, especially here in the later run. Um, one thing I would like to point out. Uh-oh. This episode garnered a 12.1 share, which is not a rating television shows get anymore. Like that, that means that 12.1, uh, was it 12.1 million or 12.1% of the viewing I think that's what it is. 12.1% of the viewing public was watching this episode. Now, that is down from its highlights. You know, at one point uh, in the first season, that was uh, the finale of the first season was around uh, 18.7 share. So we're down from that, but, you know, we're in the second season. Uh, actually, we, we peaked uh, season two, episode one, with a 19 share. Uh, 19.1 million viewers, that's what it is. So, 19 million people watching uh, episode one, season two. That number goes down, uh, but peaks again around uh, the Lonely Souls episode. Right. All right, back up to around 17 million. 
we're around 12 million this episode it's never that good again <laughs> so this is the episode and and better yet this episode aired uh about mid december of 1990 then uh the next episode is january 12th so almost a month later Ooh. so people had a month to think about this episode and what had happened and whether or not they should continue watching twin peaks and yeah. to the tune of about two million people uh the tune of about two million people um they said no when we get to episode 12 that number is down to 10 uh episode uh 13 is nine uh it goes down about a million a week from there until we plateau around seven yeah i mean a lot of a lot of what happens i mean we may not have went into detail on this one but the second season um it was moved time slot for a start so the 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 time slot i'd been afforded for season one um it was really just kind of dominating tv but i had been moved to kind of saturday nights in america which i'm led to believe is quite a busy night in america for tv quite competitive um and and you know that was the they looked at that as being one of the reasons it started to lose viewers i think it's very easy to point to that i don't think that's necessarily I don't think the show did itself any favors, um, as you will see by this episode. Yeah, but I, to... I think that's the point, though, is that starting with this episode, like we we got the the uh, reveal of who killed Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. Then the next episode ain't about none of that, which it should have been. Like if they had wanted to continue on the right path, I would argue that you opened the episode after uh, nine. The which yeah. is the reveal episode. You you open episode ten with, hey, here's this spirit of Bob still traveling, so that you're reminding people why they're watching the show. Like, yes, we've solved the death of Laura Palmer, but this there's this supernatural element to the show now, and that's what we're gonna lean into. Yeah, um, I don't know how much to be honest with you. I know that like, um. Like Lynch and Frost were kind of forced into revealing that part of the story as early as they wanted to. They didn't want to do that, um, but because the numbers were dwindling, the the TV station of the time told them, "Right, you need to finish this murder case. You need to get this like kind of wrapped up." So that was a rush job. That was never supposed to happen at that point. That was supposed to happen much later on, um, or ever. I mean, there's there's every chance that that could have just been the backdrop to something that Lynch would never, you know, go... The Lynch would never resolve. I mean, that those things happen all the time. I mean, that, that should always be a concern that people that are approaching the new season of Twin Peaks should, like, take into account, is that there is a very good chance that if you're going in expecting it to answer particular things, that those answers never come because it's David Lynch. I mean, one of my favourite David Lynch soundbites of all time is when he's <laughs> when he's asked about um, Eraserhead, and the interviewer says, "I've heard uh, I've heard it said that you think that um, Eraserhead is your most religious film," and Lynch says, "Yes," and he says, "Do you care to elaborate about that?" And Lynch says, "No, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> but that's David Lynch. It's just like, hey, I'm the artist here. I create the yeah. art and then it's up to you to figure it out and, and yeah. vote with your dollars. If you don't like it, then, you know. And, yeah. And, and that's essentially what I, I think. And then Twin Peaks, I I think there was a very good chance that he maybe never wanted to, to fully resolve up what they had to resolve. And as a result, when that is kind of covered, the show has lost a huge amount of of interest to why a lot of people were watching it, but it's already started setting up like ridiculous story arcs for other characters that now are going to become prominent. And I mean, the the only thing that that episode that follows it really does kind of well um, is that it kind of tries to tie up, right, Cooper's going to go now, Cooper's going to leave, and, you know... The, the excuse for him to stay in Twin Peaks is a bit flimsy, but we, we do get some really cool scenes with the with the Major. And we do get the introduction of the term the White Lodge, which you know well, you know, that's that's your that's your supernatural element, but it's just a tiny, tiny part of a show which has finished with an apparent demon spirit flying out of a father who has molested and killed his daughter and then, you know, occupies the body of a an owl. I would kind of like a bit more on that in the next episode. You know, like, instead of just saying, right, that's what happens, right, let's move on and let's look at Nadine, the cheerleader. Um, you know, it, it would have been nice. And I think we, we've we already kind of said that this season, and it's not being spoilery, because we're, we're, we're not giving away specific details about later episodes, but we, we said right from the start, season two is tonally all over the place. However, when things are, when that magic is happening on the show, season two has some of my favourite episodes ever in Twin Peaks. Um, They're just few and far between from the, the majority of what we get, which is this really surreal sort of bizarre, not quite David Lynch, because he's, he's kind of disassociated himself quite a bit from a lot of these episodes that we get to see. But, you know, this kind of really surreal soap opera, um, which was the original premise of it, but the backdrop was, you know, we're going to have the, the this murder of this girl solved. And when you remove that out, you take, you take a huge element out. We're going to get into some really cool things, it's just unfortunate that the first two episodes after the reveal and the you know the death of Leland Palmer is really a show trying to find its place. Um, and I did not know that there was a break of about a month in between this episode and the next one. But yeah, if I was probably given that, then my my eyes would start. I know what I'm like watching. Like I have officially like declared I'm not watching any more Walking Dead, and it's. Like, I didn't even finish the latest season of it. And the reason I am out of that is because it, it, it to me, is is very frustrating. It, it gets very mundane, very regular on that show. And yes, it does bring it back. And yes, there are things that get me interested again. But I have to wade through a lot of TV that I just don't find interesting in order to get something really great. And it always happens to me about the mid-season break. The mid-season break comes up and I just don't have the energy to go and watch the second half until I, I'm literally forced to do it in order to watch the next season. And yeah, if I was in this position, I I, I don't know if I would have bailed as well. 
because I, I never saw the full of the second season in UK television. I only saw up to the reveal of, of Laura, Laura Palmer's killer, and then I saw no more of it. And it wasn't until later on um, I finally got a chance to see the rest of it. Ironically enough, I, I managed to see Fire Walk with me though <laughs> before seeing the rest of the the you know the second season. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a frustrating show. I think it's fair to say that. I think it's fair to say that we're going to cover some of the ridiculous of this, you heard it in the previous episode, it's just a shame that some of these storylines, which would have been great as just kind of small pastiche elements and you know, individual episodes, carry on a bit too long, you know, they, they have arcs which last several episodes and that gets a bit frustrating Yeah, I, I totally agree um, So, shut up though, because we're getting into this episode Yeah, uh, no one to hear it now we've basically we've ruined this episode no because this episode all right not the very beginning although (laughs) by our standards it's fantastic but the first real scene of this of this episode is actually very good Mm um at any rate so let's let's begin where we begin and that's with james yeah unfortunately not having a more collision accident with a large semi truck it's well it's just him rolling down the highway uh you know singing everyone's favorite hit you don't look like laura <laughs> and but it is it's it's just him looking greaser cool on the back of a a, a bike you know, drive just reminding us as viewers, like, hey, remember when this character that nobody gives a shit about took off for no good reason? Uh, yeah, when he went into when he went into the wilderness and everyone's everyone forgot about him. And as yeah, it's like, meanwhile, James is on his bike. We're like, oh goody, right? Oh uh, great. So where's he going? N- nowhere in particular. Fine. Let's just let him go. You know, like, like, <laughs> let, let, if Twin Peaks just needs to, like, you know, if if he loves you, uh, he'll come back. You know, like, <laughs> just kick him off the show for a few episodes, see what happens, see if anyone notices. Um, if you love him, let him go. Right, and we get to a scene with him later, which is just I, again one of those things of like, I see what you're getting at here, and oh, just stop, stop now. Um, <laughs> But before we get to that terrible scene, we actually have a conversation that I love between uh, Betty Briggs, the major's wife, uh, who Mm -hmm. has called in the the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Office uh, to talk to Dale and um, Sheriff Truman about the disappearance of the major. Yes. And it has a couple of lines I really love. One is when Betty is asking Agent Cooper about the disappearance and he says well we were talking philosophically and then i had to go answer the call of nature and it's just it's one of those like really wonderful agent cooper lines Mm -hmm. and you also have him using the phrase a little bit later in the scene uh mary and haste repent in leisure which is (laughs) one i've always loved so but but so but they're having this big discussion about like the major took off. Oh, and he also describes the the uh, the major as he has a what was he say a renaissance passion for exploration, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful uh, collection of words. And yeah, anyway, so it's 
hey, the the major went missing. Has this happened before? And she's like, yeah, sometimes he just wanders off. You know, the major's kind of crazy. Uh, but he's, you know, fascinated by things and... and, and uh, Has an unhealthy obsession with the woods. Yes. And there is some talk that there was an energy in the woods, Agent Cooper believes, that came and kind of claimed the major. Um, and Betty can't... Like, she... She is the the loving, supportive spouse who absolutely adores the major. This is why, like, Bobby Briggs needs to shut up always. Because <laughs> his parents are both really nice people. And, it like, the Betty, who this is really the most we've ever heard her talk, I think. And she's like, you know what? I love my husband. And one of the things I love about him is this, you know, spirit of exploration he possesses. But it's difficult for me. You know, the way she puts it is like there's no manual for the way he is. And there's no manual to be married to it either. And it, it's kind of a nice moment, I think. I love the fact as well that she, when she's pressed for an answer, she assumes the role of the major by saying that's classified. Yes. Yeah, she is. Which I, I kind of like that. I kind of like the fact that she too is, you know, is very much, she respects that, but she she kind of opts for, but they have that language in their own house. I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I, I think this whole scene is, it's mostly good. It's mostly mm -hmm. great. It, it just gets dulled down to good uh, because after Betty is dismissed, they're like, look, you don't know where he is clearly. And we don't know where he is, but we know he's disappearing uh, or he disappeared in the woods. And this isn't necessarily the first time that's happened. So in comes uh, Deputy Andy and Deputy Hawk. Uh, God bless him, who just has so damn little to do in this episode, but at least he's <laughs> around and that's almost enough. Um <laughs> Because they, all right, so they were coming in because they had to buy a wedding gift for this Milford dude who we saw in the last episode, who's one of the two brothers, one of whom is mayor, and he's the one getting married, and then there's the guy who owns the newspaper, and they're brothers, and they're, they have a ongoing feud that's lasted for decades, and who could possibly care? Yeah. But they had to go out and get him a present, and... Deputy Andy says, hey, we found this, like, you know, scarf and glove set or something. And when he says, we found it, what he means is Deputy Hawk did the shopping, but he <laughs> let me push the car. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Never he's not in this. He's not in this episode enough for my liking. So every chance, every chance I'll take it. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but... Um, so we're reminding again, the audience, Hey, there's this stupid wedding story and you're going to have to deal with that later. But, uh, here's deputy Hawk standing here, not really doing anything, but you can tell behind his eyes, he's thinking of awesome shit. Yeah. So just go, probably thinking about that morning when he was, you know, with his current lover or lovers. That's mm, Harim. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Woke up naked on silk sheets, as Hawk do. Yeah. Oh. Had trouble locating his police belt because one of them used 
it to tie up one of the other ones. Not sure who. There was a lot of booze going on last night. It's tough to say when you're rocking with Hog. I just imagine his bedroom being very, very much like uh, Scatman Carruthers and um, The Shining. Just like effigies of naked women all around the walls. Just it's some with big bitching afros and fine titties. Mirrored ceilings and mirrored floors. Because Hawk yeah. ain't afraid to see a taint. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> how awesome he is. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Sexuality is a spectrum I've engaged in pleasures of all kinds but just uh, like just the, the the cacophony of cacaws just ringing out from that room as he just gives it to them in every hole this way and that way upside down and positions that you didn't think were humanly possible and you know there are bowls of fruit all over the place for consumption oh, yeah. and other uses yeah they just go everywhere it's the last tango in hawk's house <laughs> anyway back to the real show that's going on um <laughs> and not the the fan fiction that's in our heads right now it well i don't know i like to think it's more than that i, I like to think it's an alternate reading um <laughs> So we get, uh, interrupting all this, is a call from Gordon Cole. <laughs> Which doesn't sound like a call. It literally sounds like David Lynch is standing behind the boom mic. Yeah. It's, Just like shouting. It's amazing. It's so good. And the best part is, so he calls up to tell Agent Cooper that, you know, hey, they're, they've assigned uh, a DEA special agent to investigate because, again, if, you, if listeners, if you don't remember, in the last episode, Agent Cooper is now being investigated for going across the border to One-Eyed Jacks. A couple of people ended up dead during that trip, as well as a lot of uh, drugs being found. And um, at any rate, so uh, Gordon Cole is calling to let Agent Cooper know Hey, they've they've named someone to come investigate, and that someone is going to be there pretty soon. And my favorite part of the, you know, David Lynch as Gordon Cole after he makes this statement that they're sending someone, and Agent Cooper rightfully asks, "Who are they sending?" And Gordon Cooper's, <laughs> or not Gordon Cooper, Gordon Cole, <laughs> Gordon Cooper. Oh my God, what a wonder! Anyway, that's a show we'll do some other time. Um, Gordon Cole's response is, it's Gordon. And they're like, no, who did they send Gordon? And it's it's one of my favorite dumb jokes in this episode. It's Gordon. Gordon Cole. And they're like, yeah, I know. So he says they're sending Bryson. And um, Agent Cooper explains to Harry that he has worked with Bryson before. Bryson's a good man. Um, Dennis Bryson. Yes. Dennis Bryson, totally very respectable, but no nonsense. He's a serious guy. It's not somebody necessarily that you want investigating you, but he'll be fair. Yeah. It's not, not someone you want investigating you if you are up to any sort of foul play. 
Thorough. Yep. And so we leave that to go to the meeting with um, uh, Clarence Clemens the third. That's yes. Something. Clarence Williams, Clarence Clemens the third. Clarence, Clarence Clemens is his new name. Clarence Clemens the third, the yeah. actor <laughs> slash saxophone player for the E Street Band. <laughs> You may remember him from such songs as Santa Claus is Coming to Town mm. when Bruce was like, and there is Clarence Clemens III. <laughs> Pull something for us, Clarence. And he's, he's a short-lived stint in uh, the James Brown Band. Yeah. Did love his appearance in there. Sure. Um, James Brown also did. Unfortunately, we couldn't quite make out his full appreciation Clarence always thought that he was being angry on because he was saying, it's the guys, it's just me, it was the hours, it's just my power, see, but... Which is, you know, he just thought he was angry with them all the time. Sure, so. sure, it happens. We, we, that's going to be our new spinoff podcast where you do <laughs> James Brown and I do Bruce Springsteen, specifically from the Santa Claus is Coming to Town song, <laughs> and we'll review movies that way. Hey, it's all right, brother. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to try to watch a movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's gonna be yeah, a big hit. Yeah, and for some reason, I also sound like Zed from Police Academy. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Bobcat going. It, yeah, it, there is a little Zed creeping into that. <laughs> Let's pull it back, boy. Let's pull it back. Yeah. Um. So Clarence Clemens the Third is is asking uh what defense what what possible defense uh agent cooper could mount in this situation and uh where his lawyer is and he's like you know what i'm not defending myself mm-hmm. not mounting any defense at all and uh then gives him some kind of mumbo jumbo that's great about like the light that walks in the shadow and all kinds of crazy shit. And Clarence Clemens the third rightfully is like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's pretty much what his answer is. Which I love. Yeah. It's what, the, it's what the hell are you talking about, boy? I mean, it kind of is. It, it's just like, you've got, you understand that if you don't try to defend yourself, then, you know, anything that we just, any crazy make them up, we come up with. Uh, even though he trusts, like Agent Cooper trusts this guy, but um, yeah, so he's not—he's not, he's not going to defend himself he's, at all. He's the first—he's the first rational FBI agent we have met in this show. Mm, he's um, the first one. He's the first one who doesn't speak in riddles, who isn't eccentric. Um, He's you, the first kind of plain speaking, straight shooting FBI agent we have met in this show thus far. You don't think uh, is Albert too far uh, a field? Because he's yeah. pretty straightforward. He is insulting. He's yeah, but he, 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 there, I, I would normally agree with you. But then he had that huge monologue where he talks about walking the path of Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi. Mm-hmm. But you know, once again, I just don't see an FBI agent saying the path I walk is love. Um, yeah. <laughs> you I know love what I mean? You, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Had, had James yeah. Comey started his 
his his um his uh, his speech uh, with that committee in Congress. If he'd started by saying that, you know, the the path I walk of Mahatma Gandhi, and I'm, I think maybe maybe more people would have been on side with the Comey testimony. Um, but the fact that he kind of did say it, but in a shite way, which is, you know, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to all my brothers. Uh, I love the FBI. You know, it doesn't have the same panache. Yeah. does all not right. have the same. Uh, the, Albert, the Albert Rosenthal pa, the pa, panache, Bo, is what makes it great. But what I like about Clarence here is Clarence is just like, and the exact words are, what the hell are you talking about? So he's like, he's, it's like he's having none of this nonsense at all. He's and he is, he's he's kind of on some level doing Cooper a solid. Really, he's kind of like, like you said, he's kind of just saying this does not help you. Right. <laughs> you you sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich does not help you. There is evidence here. There is a case here. We're going to prosecute it, and you need someone on board to represent you. Otherwise, we're going to steamroller over you. So, yeah, I like this scene. Yeah, it, it's very good. Again, the opening of this show is perfectly fine. Yeah, the opening of this episode super strong. The close of this episode is super weak. Yeah, we're about to start taking our turn here into, <laughs> into the world of the fuck are we doing in this scene? Uh... <laughs> population us um because so agent uh cooper surrenders his badge and gun mm -hmm. and uh and says all right i'm on suspension from the fbi now you're investigating me dennis bryson is on the way in he's he's a crack dea investigator and, uh, you know, by all accounts, Agent Cooper would be kind of screwed, but he also knows he's being set up and he's surrounded by people who are talented and, and thorough and methodical. And he believes the truth will out. He believes in the FBI. Yeah, he, he believes in the system. Absolutely. So, I mean, he has no reason not to. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but honestly, if an, a hard of hearing... Gordon Cole, were your boss? Would you ever leave that job? No. You know, I no. wouldn't even let him suspend me from it. I would be like, "What do I have to? Can I just hang out in his office all day?" Yeah, I'd, I'd follow that man into battle. I've been thinking a lot about peanut butter. <laughs> That's it. Just thinking about it. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. I am almost positive that is a thing that David Lynch has said at some point in his life. Oh, you know that's happened. <laughs> um, so let's go to high school with Nadine. Uh, we have to, bo We we do have to. Um, but not talking about James. Uh. Well, if it makes you feel any better, we're about to have a scene with James in a minute too. Uh, so, so here's the deal. So Nadine in her, like, she's not just in high school. She's in, I was a teenage werewolf high school. Yes. Uh, if it weren't for the patch and the fact that she is an older woman than even the 20 something actors who were in high school <laughs> in this show. Um, <laughs> 
then yeah, she would be at home in an Archie comic, and not even Riverdale, which is pretty good. Uh, I do like Riverdale. I I'm only like three episodes in, but I like it more than I think I should. Yeah, that's how I feel right to the very end, and I'm looking forward to that second season. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, anyway, speaking of Twin Peaks. Um, oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I said that to you before. It was like Dawson's Creek meets Twin Peaks. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Dawson's Creek part of it. Like when Luke Perry showed up, I was like, uh, that somehow makes me feel a little worse about watching this. <laughs> Which is terrible. I, like, what a horrible thing to say about an actor. But yeah, I don't think he's a bad actor, even. It's just like, Luke Perry? Is, it, is Skeet Ulrich up here, Jet? No, no. Oh, oh, oh Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. <laughs> we did get to that. Oh, okay. That make you feel old real fucking quick. I thought that was a joke, but okay. <laughs> um, so Nadine uh, is in high school and comes in and is like, Hi, Donna! Um, because now she's friends with Donna. And Donna is just playing along, but also looking supremely creeped out through the entire scene, naturally. Yeah, of course. Uh, but she starts off by asking where James is, I assume, because uh, she's going to fake her death if it turns out he's coming back. <laughs> now that she's had a couple of days away from him, she's like, what was I doing with that guy? Like, he can barely read. Um, <laughs> it says a lot about Donna's mental state where she would rather spend time with teenage Hulk strength Nadine uh, than she would with her quote unquote B. Well, um, it it shows that she's wising up finally. Yeah, I, you know what's even creepier is we find that the Nadine has a creepy crush of her own. Uh huh. She likes um Mike, Mike Cock. Yeah, uh, she. Well, it's Bobby Briggs's friend. Mike, that's his name. Mike. Yeah, it's not Mike Cock. No, she wants some Mike Cock. Yeah, she does. She, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and Donna, Donna is like, are you, are you? <laughs> Sorry, I had horrible things fly into my head all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, Share them with us both. I'll, I will. I will get to it. Um, <laughs> that Donna rightfully is like, hey, what about Ed? And and she's like, Ed, Ed's old and gross. I want to suck Mike's cock. I want his hot, young body drilling me right in the mouth. Have you done that, Donna? They call it face fucking. And I want to do it with Mike, the teenager. Also... Not a, not against butt stuff, Donna. Or <laughs> Mr. Data. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was, Nadine got blue there real quick. Yeah, well, she's a young, horny teenager, and her mind. Yeah, I like it in every hole. The, the, there's a there's a scene coming up later on where. <laughs> Where Mike actually realizes that if Nadine wants to to have sex with him, he's getting raped. He almost is raped. 
He has, he is. The horror washes over his face real fucking quick. That but, if you say no, she still she she will drill you in the ground. But look at this fucking Mike, though. I mean, you know that he's done some date raping in his time. He looks like the kind of guy. Well, this is all really really weird because Mike and Donna were an item, right? At the start of this, yeah, like right well, at the very start, they, they were an item. So they're no longer an item. She's now with James, um, and Mike is now single. Um and ready to mingle. Yeah. However, <laughs> but however, not at the the like JC social. No, he's he's now being stalked. He's now being stalked by the most vicious of all the predators, Nadine. Man, oh, um, yeah, Mike that's needs true. to get to get to the chopper. <laughs> get to the chopper, Mike. Now, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Nadine is just like. Gah, 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 gah. Like Mike knowing that she's only got one good eye, so he's like rubbing himself in mud and right. <laughs> in an embankment. But that's why she's an excellent sniper. Um, she has the best sniper ever. So, all right, let's and and that's the end of this scene is Nadine being like, "You were dating Mike, and now I did I tell you about the face fucking?" And <laughs> she's like, "Yeah, don't do it again. Uh, it's all too much." Um. <laughs> so then we check back in with james and donna is just like the fuck was all that about i am Mm -hmm. i'm almost done with this show i'm certainly she's like she's like if they do a movie (laughs) about this show (laughs) i want recast Uh, (laughs) she totally there is there is a bit where this conversation's happened and you can almost see her kind of looking over nadine towards whoever's filming this shit and just looking at him, I just say, you know, what the, f- what the fuck? Yeah. Had, what the you, fuck? Only an Green actress Dibley. who had Green been Dibley. in a somewhat popular skating movie could mm-hmm. replace me. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to get to that. Yeah, it's, it, it's a little disappointing. Anyway, James, speaking <laughs> of disappointing, James... Um, tools are down the, uh, the, the Pacific Northwest highways and, uh, finds himself in a place called hideout wallies, um, which couldn't be more on the nose if it tried and (laughs) outside is parked a, uh, a pretty sweet vet, Mm -hmm. um, Corvette, I mean, and I thought you meant like someone that, you know. Cure sick animals. <laughs> well, the old joke is, I've got a vet, a chevette, um, which is about... look. I, mean, <laughs> I grew up in a small town. Like there, there weren't a. It wasn't just populated by a bunch of little Groucho Marxes spouting witticisms left and right. We we took what we could get. Uh, I don't try to make me feel sorry for you. I, I, I can't. Uh, and so. <laughs> oh, but you're from the UK. It's like everybody's Oscar Wilde. With the soul of wit. (laughs) Yeah, we we all do speak to each other as if we've come out of a Dickens novel. (laughs) Excuse Uh, me, boy, what day is it? (laughs) uh, Fish my monocle out of that champagne flute, would you? Um, Uh, Yeah, that was last night. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) James... Uh, it's stopping off for uh, a glass of suds, 
and drinking and driving just another thing we'll add to the litany of crimes that james perpetrated on this show <laughs> all you know all of which started with him being alive and breathing um <laughs> it's the source of most of the world's problems you can like, like it's one of those uh really shitty it's a wonderful life things where like james jumps off a bridge and his shitty fat angel is like james let me show you the world without you and it's like a million times better it's everything like laura's still alive right maddie's still alive this blonde lady's tooth doesn't look weird in the light um, like, <laughs> laura palmer didn't take up drugs because she wasn't trying to kill <laughs> kill the part of herself that, that that felt the repulsion towards james uh yeah, yeah. Ugh. Good times, good times, boy. So instead, he he comes back though. He's like, "I won't go back." And the angel, <laughs> the angel's like, "But honestly, it's kind of better if you just hang out <laughs> with me, because everybody's much happier." Unless the <laughs> change on my my counter. <laughs> and when I see it's better that you hang out with me, I mean, it's better if you hang out with me with me silently. <laughs> How much change did you leave on your counter? It was a quarter and a nickel <laughs> and a penny and, and a another button. penny <laughs> and another penny. <laughs> the button that looked like a nickel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a gum wrapper with a joke. And it was funny. He's like, you want to go back for 33 cents and a bazooka wrapper? Uh-huh. All right, fine. <laughs> Fuck up everybody's life, you piece of shit. And then sends him back to hide at Wally's. <laughs> Looking slightly more confused than he was before he got off his bike. Yeah. And he goes into this bar and I struggle to to build the enthusiasm to talk about this scene, Bo. So I am going to sit back and you can take it from here. I appreciate that because I've got opinions. Oh, right. I like your opinions. Um, this scene sucks. Um, <laughs> no, so James uh, sits down, and a, the only other person in the bar uh, besides the bartender is a woman with a dead tooth um, in a red dress who's kind of a hottie McTotsky. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, well, hello, James. And he's like, you don't look like Laura. <laughs> She's like, whatever do you mean, lad? And he's like, Laura looked like a certain way, and you don't look like that, so you don't look like Laura. <laughs> like James is on the don't, you don't look like Laura tour. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he's taking it on the road. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like moving right along his play, but it's all like, you don't look like Laura. Um... Uh, uh, so so like this scene's so stupid the so the the hotsky mctotsky lady hotsky mctotsky in red um is like so i uh i accidentally hit something in my car and my husband is gonna be super mad and mm -hmm. he's like he's like so your car doesn't look like laura <laughs> 
she's like, yeah, you've got a motorcycle, though, dummy. Can you fix cars, too? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, all right, well, why don't you, like, come help me fix my car? And he's like, okay, I'm going to play some music first. And then, and then does. Um, and, you know, it's a typical Twin Peaks song where it's just like, here is a completely wordless instrumental that no one would ever listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for James and a lady who is showing off her legs, like letting him know, like, look at this. I've got garters on. And he's like, Hmm, your legs don't look like Laura's, but they're all right. <laughs> and so then we leave this scene to go to a worse one. Uh, no, it's just a depressing, very quick decline. Yeah, I mean, you want to take this one? I got the last shitty scene, and uh, then we'll we'll meet back up when when uh, Agent Hawk shows up. <laughs> oh, why can't we just have a whole lot of Hawk? Um, which is what this episode should have been called—a whole lot of Hawk. I got a whole lot of Hawk. Cacao. <laughs> or or uh, Hawk, you do about nothing. Um, which which would have been pretty cool as well. Set me in the scene. What what what? How does this scene open? It's uh oh god, what's his name? The shit dick Tremaine. Oh right, so he shows up with little Nicky. Yeah, it's a fucking pointless character who I would love to say we're only ever going to see once, but that's not going to happen. Um, so he shows up at the police station uh, to to taunt Andy because he's going to show up and they're going to meet up with Lucy and uh, go to the diner and um, Lucy's not there and Andy breaks the news and we, we find out very quickly from this scene that Dick Tremaine has only brought little Nicky with him to show that he could be like a father-like figure um, you know he's not, he's not very subtle Bo. no he is really shitty at being a bad person mm, um and- Little Nicky's kind of shitty character as well, ungrateful little bastard. Um, so when they find that he's not there, he's like, "Right, come on, Nicky, we're going to leave." And well, he's but oh, but we're supposed to go for malteds, which I'm assuming is like a malt milkshake. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, have you ever had the Ovaltine? Yes, I have had Ovaltine. Okay, so imagine like an Ovaltine milkshake. That's kind of a malted. All oh, right. Yeah, right. it's quite delicious. Yeah. Very strange thing to have, but I'll not judge. Um, yeah, so I mean, technically, malteds came before. Uh, like what? What were the other ones? Seltzers, like when they would have uh, the soda jerks who actually like whip together your floats and whatnot. Oh the yeah, 50s yeah, Americana kind of stuff. Yeah, you crazy Americans. Diabetes was just a twinkle in our eye, but we it, it, were laying the different... rails. No, I didn't. You you didn't have those issues. You want to know why? Because you were using proper natural sugar and not that manufactured shit that's in everything now. Um, so just remember that people had to, people had a sweet tooth back then as well, but they they were not having the levels of heart disease they have now. And there is a reason behind that because um, people started cutting corners. Uh, but this little fucking Nicky prick is. <laughs> For lack of a better word, so oh, but we're gonna go for mountains. And um, Dick Tremaine's like ungrateful little shit. Come here. Um, he tries to you know, tries to move him on, and then Andy, being the eternal fucking nice guy, makes me want to throw up. It's like, 
I can't even do the impression. You're better the impression. Um, but basically, you know, well, gee, Mister, um, maybe I'll take you all... for malteds. Yeah, and then he's like, "Really, sir? Really?" Um, and yeah, we're going to join them later on as they get their malted milkshakes. This is once again this storyline. Why the fuck? Why the? Why the fuck? Yeah. All right. Well, enough of that. Rage. Let's get to the awesomeness. Yeah. So, Agent Cooper, Deputy Hawk. <laughs> Sheriff Truman. All uh, having a little chin wag in the sheriff's office. And... It's one of my favorite Hawk scenes coming up. Oh, here. it's the best. Uh, it's like his comedic timing... And his facial expressions actually had me all three times I've watched this episode in the last week and a half. I have been poorless watching this with laughter. I think this is absolutely amazing. It's just like classic Hawk. Right. So, but the scene starts with Sheriff Truman asking Agent Cooper, like, hey, what happens if this goes tits up on you and you end up getting kicked out of the FBI? And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. Everything's going to work out. Hey, have any of you heard of a White Lodge and immediately. <laughs> Deputy Hawk is like, the fuck you say? That's, that's like almost exactly what he says. Yeah. It's like, where did you hear this word? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's what the major and I were just talking about uh, before he went missing. And I have this written down uh, because ah, this good, is awesome. I do like this. And he says, Cooper, you may be fearless in this world, but there are other worlds. Mm. And Agent Cooper is like, uh-huh. And he says, my people believe there, that the White Lodge is a place where the spirits that rule man and nature here reside. Uh, but the Black Lodge, they, this is the second half of it. The Black Lodge is the shadow self of the White Lodge. That every spirit must pass through there on the way to perfection. There you will meet your own shadow self. Yeah, and he calls it the Dweller on the Threshold, which sounds like an H.P. Lovecraft story. And he said, or like, or, or like the greatest unwritten Rush album ever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, the deal is, if you go there with quote imperfect courage, that the Dweller on the Threshold will utterly annihilate your soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is just like let's get a drum solo after that it's oh it's fucking awesome yeah three uh, minute flute section right clarence yeah. clements comes in with the sax james brown does a guest appearance bruce springsteen shows up just be like hey everybody everybody enjoy a white lodge How's everybody enjoy one? Um, yeah, everybody's been good this year. Um, we Palmer's in the background asking where couples have come in from. Where did you come in from? Yeah. Where, Seattle. Excellent. Try the fish. Um, <laughs> just, the ghost of Leland Palmer doing a show tune. It's just the greatest. That's, that's, that's my heaven there right there. Oh, it sounds great. So 
Adrian Bryson. I get excited at this. I get excited. I'll tell you why I get excited at this. I get excited at this because remember when we were just complaining about how they wrapped up all that supernatural shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they've teased some supernatural shit that sounds really cool, really interesting, and something that I would like to see a lot of in the remainder of Twin Peaks. I can't wait to see a whole lot of this in every single episode remaining in season two. Well, that would be great because it would be an interesting turn thematically mm-hmm. to have the character that was brought in to sniff this evil out be somehow forced to confront himself, a mirror image of his own beliefs, you know, as the stalwart of uh, truth and justice and honor and courage to meet the evil mirror opposite of that, the yep. the dweller on the threshold, if you will. Uh, it would, it, oh my goodness. It I would mean, be it, so it's good. the sort of thing that you get in noir novels of you start investigating one mystery, which leads to a greater mystery, which pulls out to a greater story, something much bigger than what you came in with. And as we know, Twin Peaks, very noirish. Yes, yes. Uh, man, it's really a bummer that <laughs> None this, <of> that, <laughs> that this is all crazy make ups because it it is cool. Like this whole scene and the like the idea of you know the major getting abducted by this force in the woods and you know all these little clues about the White Lodge and the Black Lodge and and all that stuff. Um, it's. It, I mean, it's just awesome. And, and it's been teased already. I mean, yeah. it, like in the previous season, they mentioned about the woods. You know, so all this stuff has been set up. So it kind of feels like, you know, we've been naturally heading towards this direction that, yeah, on paper, that I think, gen, I genuinely think, had Lynch been more involved at this stage, we would have had a lot more of that. Because um, I think it speaks a lot to... David Lynch as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, is very spiritual in those those kind of levels. It really likes to play with that idea of spirituality in kind of religion in a really interesting way. That you know, we would have got that, but no, 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 no. What we no. Do, do get, however, Duncan. Is one of the greatest things of this episode. Yes. The arrival of Dennis Bryson, uh, as played by David Duchovny. This uh, is pre-X-Files, ladies and gents. This is, uh, I think, two years before... No, uh, yeah, two years, a year and a half before X-Files starts. I I, I think that's right. Um, yeah. Let's pretend <clears throat> you, it is. You said like, 1990, you said, didn't you? Yeah. This was uh, December 1990. I think the X-Files was 1990... End of 1992, beginning of 1993, I want to see. Yeah, so... Were, were... He, uh, yeah, I don't know what he had done at this point, but... Um, so David Duchovny shows up and he is, uh, not just dressed as a woman. He is, you know, he is a woman. Yes. Like dress, looks, makeup, hair, the whole deal. And I got to say, not the most unattractive woman I've ever seen. I top it. I top it. Yeah. But then again, David Duchovny has always made me weirdly consider myself as potentially bisexual uh, towards a bit of the Duchovny. I wouldn't turn him down. He's, there's something about him. Don't know what it is. So, he, so Denise comes in. <laughs> Let's gloss right over that comment and move on. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I had no, like, 
what do you I, I like any expansion on that was going to go back to the, the <laughs> uh, but Denise comes in and you're right the look on Hawk's face of just like I don't understand it's, what's happening here this thing it's the greatest thing that's ever happened it is the absolute greatest thing <laughs> Because literally two minutes before this, he's very serious. He's talking about astral planes, spiritual afterlives, and then <laughs> and how confident he talks about this. And then in less than two minutes, he's presented with a man dressed like a woman, and he climbs up with no nothing to say. He has nothing to say. It's amazing. Yeah, it's all right. So here's the thing that worries me when I'm watching this show again is like, look, it was a different time, and there's a lot of really raw portrayals of, you know, not I, I don't mean just like transvestites and transsexuals, but just any alternative sexuality, sexuality like gay, lesbian, whatever. It was always kind of the butt of the joke. Yeah, you know? I, I, just, I just want to stress, and this is not really it's not spoiling things because he's been if anyone's been anyone will know that they cast david Duchovny in the new season of twin peaks but um there is there is a specific piece of dialogue about that character where david lynch almost gloats at the fact that he was like he was making characters like this in his show before you know, anyone else was. He was acknowledging this. He was acknowledging, you know, these 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 specific. Like, how how to describe it? He was he was creating characters like this in his show as just a character in the show with you know with a, a, an equal footing as any other character in the show as it should be back then. Yeah, um, well, like when which I think it's pretty amazing, you know, considering the time frame, I think it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's not it, it's imperfect, I would I would argue, but it's Definitely. surprisingly positive Um yeah. because in the like the first moment that uh David Duchovny comes in as Denise Bryson and uh and he says, like, you know, well, Agent Cooper is like, hey, Dennis. And he's like, actually, I prefer Denise now. Um, and, uh, immediately like agent Cooper just starts referring to David Duchovny as Denise. It's not like, I I don't have any questions. We'll get to that later. Let's Mm -hmm. I'm taking you at your word. Let's move forward. And then you have the, the expression on Hawk's face, which is hilarious again, because it's the, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, Mm -hmm. this is not what I was led to believe. And (laughs) plus it's small town. It's small town twin peaks. Absolutely, but even even Hawk by the end of this scene, like Sheriff Truman seems to take it fairly in stride as well. Um, but at the end of the scene, uh, like before Denise leaves, and you know he's talking to uh, uh, Agent Cooper, and is like, "Look, let, let's meet up later. I have a lot to tell you." And uh, Agent Cooper's like anxious to hear it. And then uh, so Denise says goodbye to everybody and kind of gives Hawk a look, and, and he has the best smile. Yeah. That is both like <laughs> acknowledgement of you're giving me a smile, and also I am still utterly baffled by what I'm seeing. <laughs> and there's a, there's a there's a, what I love as well is the fact that once again we link this to you know 
like the kind of ongoing kind of quirky images of the FBI portrayed in this show of, he says, you know, I'm staying up at the Great Northern. I know that you're staying up there as well. How's the food? And, you know, like Cooper lights up again because we're talking about one of the, one of Cooper's favourite subjects, which is food. And he's like, you're in, you know, you're in for a real treat. Up there, you're going to have a real, real treat. Uh, and they, they arrange to meet up later on. But yeah, I love, I think David Duchovny's brilliant. Um, I think he's great in this. I love his part. I love the character of Denise. I think Denise is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just like, I, I, I forgot that she came into it as early in the second season. I, for some reason, I always thought it was right towards the very end of the second season. So it was a pure joy seeing this character show up. And I was just like, oh, that's right. And yeah, this is this is one of the better things about the many many characters we'll be introduced to before the show finishes. Yeah, Denise Bryson is top tier of that. Um, mm-hmm. And and the ending joke of this scene is once again Deputy Hawk as Denise leaves. <laughs> as Denise leaves, uh, is like you know that's a good color on him. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a fantastic scene and. Uh, you know, we're not going to get like stupidly political about any of this stuff. But uh, I just wanted to point out, it is super nice to see. It, it reminds me of like watching a John Waters movie where yes. it's like we're going to celebrate the people on the fringes because that's the most interesting people. You know, like yeah. those are the ones that have a story to tell. And uh, those are the ones that are never represented in soap operas yeah yeah absolutely they were never they were never represented in soap operas so or at least not without being portrayed as like a deviant or something yeah you know i I also like the fact that when i was doing that caca there i actually feel like i should have changed it slightly because hawk is confused so it should be like more like (laughs) caca oh you're gonna make editing tough um (laughs) i don't know how to do that with the hawk sound um (laughs) anyway so (laughs) we'll just do it well that'll be it listeners sorry uh literally mix in a cross between that uh the the hawk screech and scooby-doo making his (laughs) noise right that's it sorted all right so Let's touch very briefly on the next scene, which involves uh, Nadine trying to hit on Mike, who is working out at the high school gym. Yep. And uh, pumping that iron, bull, pumping that iron. He is. And Nadine, seeing him pump the iron and getting a little slippery in the whippery, if you know what I mean. Oh, bull. What? Um, (laughs) She's. I, in fairness, I knew what, um, she sees him and is like, I know what will turn his eye. Yeah. Uh, if I'm go, if Nadine's gone a courting, um, she decides she's going to do the same exercise as him, which are, uh, the squats, you know, with the weights. Mm-hmm. And so he's on about, I don't know, a couple of hundred pounds, something like that. She cranks hers up to 18 million Six, tons. 16, uh, sorry, 600 pounds. Yeah. She puts, which is the maximum the machine does, and then starts pushing this away as if it was nothing. Yes. And 
Mike is horrified by this. Yeah, because, his deck shrivels up. Yeah. Straight away, he goes up inside him. Exactly the opposite. Like, she's pumping the weights and is just like, you know, Hey, Mike! Just a question off the top of my head! You ever hear a face fucking? <laughs> and... <laughs> He's like, oh my god, this is horrifying. Why Why isn't someone taking this old woman back to her room? <laughs> Meanwhile, the coach comes in, and this is the dumbest fucking storyline. In, in a sea of bad storylines and loose ends that we get in season two, actually part two of season two of Twin Peaks, this is my least favorite. This whole thing of the coach being like, hey, she's super strong. I mean, yeah. it's it ought to be in a cartoon. This yeah. is a cartoon storyline. Yeah, I saw her if you want if she wants to join the wrestling team and Mike literally, literally has a stroke. Yeah. At rightfully <laughs> so. Um it's- just horrifying <laughs> it is, yeah it's on every level like the the text of the scene of what is actually happening being captured on film is terrible the fact that we're having to watch this scene at all in a show as good as twin peaks is terrible mm-hmm. the subtext of the inevitable rape of mike is terrible <laughs> <laughs> oh, um so we leave that bad scene to go to uh Josie Packard um because remember she showed up uh all wet like a dog in the mm-hmm. last episode all all jacked up as if she had been on on the skag on the gank on yep. the yayo on the toots nude on the booger sugar <laughs> on the on the clean burning propane yay yay uh, all right, everybody, take a drink. Um, <laughs> and so we're finally getting the the story on Josie Packard, which we also couldn't care about, um, which ultimately is she was working, basically has sold herself to this criminal in Hong Kong and was working undercover with yep. this Mr. Lee dude. Mm-hmm. But she fell in love and she can't go back to him because he's mean. Um and but if she stays, he's going to come looking for her. Yep. Uh anything else I'm missing there? Because I know there are details of all this, this stuff, scene, but this scene goes on entirely far too long um for her to essentially put out what you've just said yeah yeah and it's just all a lot of like this storyline that we don't care about and ultimately doesn't really matter um no does it does like lead to one of the most um and you've got you've got to know the show is doing it as some sort of weird kind of satire um of it but it does lead to the most soap opera um scene that we have had in this show for a while, a reveal of a certain character, um, which yeah. is handled in such a way of, of, of course, this character's back because it's a soap, it's a soap opera. opera. Yeah. yeah, essentially, yeah. 
Um, all right, so let's check in at the double R real quick, see what's going on over there. Uh, in an effort to not talk about anything awesome that was happening in this episode. <laughs> so she gets put on a funny voice. Uh, I a little bit, yeah. So Norma um is talking to Clarence Clemens the third and is like, Hey, I got some coffee for you, and here's a slice of that pie that you've heard so much about. And mm. um Clarence Clemens the third is like, thanks, and is interrupted by um Hank returning along yep. with uh Norma's mom's new husband whose name I can't remember Eddie probably doesn't yeah doesn't it doesn't matter. and <laughs> because they were at one eye jacks in the previous episode who were they talking to again they were talking to one uh Jean Renault I wonder how Jean Renault talks um he was like you too you are going to work for me uh -huh. <laughs> and this seems paid for itself now <laughs> and uh so they get back and norma no flies on her is like hey uh you're back from hunting husband of mine and then uh hank is like i'm gonna go raid the kitchen and just take whatever i want uh and she's like yeah that's mm -hmm. fine do what you what you like and she goes to talk to eddie question mark and she's like hey did you catch anything and he's like oh god i hope not because he's talking about all the hookers he was with <laughs> STD joke. uh-huh always funny in the early 90s um she's like are you positive and he's like hiv positive hey <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to find the lesion <laughs> joke. That's where I am. I know there is one, but I can't find it on short notice. Um, I'll edit one in. <laughs> so it sounds like, anyway, yeah, like I was saying, lesions, more like lesion <laughs> podcasts, am I right, Duncan? Oh, hi <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, basically she, it, like, he's like oh yeah i catch anything oh yeah right uh because we were supposed to be hunting and not doing a deal with a criminal overlord um again who gives a shit so as if to drain this scene of give a shitness more <laughs> it's like the trifecta of oof. um we have little nicky dick tremaine and Deputy Andy having a malted. Well, the kids having a malted, and Deputy Andy's just having a piece of pie like a normal person. And Ooh. it's just this kid doing the dumbest gags, and it's all terrible. Yeah, first he manages to spray the cream on uh, Dick Tremaine's face, and then he spins Andy's chair around so Andy falls over, and this scene sucks yeah it's terrible and as as if to put a uh, an exclamation point on that let's go to james uh <laughs> i mean like like i've said it before on this show like i get the feeling that so many scenes um are written in uh, uh, like uh, have have a piece of writing that says Fade in from giving a fuck to James standing. Yeah, you know, it's our 
yeah, just so many scenes that I could not. There's so many characters I don't care about. Give me the Black Lodge. Yeah, give me the stuff that sounds awesome and not James fixing a car for a lady with a weird tooth. <laughs> not letting that go. It's weird. It freaks me out when I see it. Um, so, I mean, she's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but there's something with one of her teeth that. I can't tell if it's rotten or just crooked or just the way they're shooting it. Like her, she's got a tooth that's got a bad side. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um So James is in a Cosby sweater um in the garage because it is the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And James is like, this car doesn't look like Laura, but I can fix it. And she's like, all right, well, my husband's gone. You know what that means, James? And he's like, no. And she's like, well, you know, I think there's lots of things that need to be fixed around here. You know what I mean, James? He's Mm -hmm. like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like... It's like... <laughs> he walks away from her, starts repairing the decking, you know. Right. It's just like he changes like, the light bulb, fixes a birdhouse, starts building a fence, Fix it, fixes the leaky tap. Uh huh. He's just like, oh, amazing. <laughs> James, what I'm saying is, there's things about me that need to be fixed. It's your tooth, right? It's weird. <laughs> Uh, pulls her tooth out cuts her hair you know? <laughs> but she does have this whole thing about like my husband likes to collect things that are expensive and nice and he's like uh huh and she's like this in no way is going to lead to a plot against him mm-hmm. and he's like okay I'm going to fix the car but it doesn't look like Laura and doesn't she's, look like Laura yeah it, it certainly does not and anyway so we have set up a fatal attraction scenario for james which i mean the the best thing about that whole scene is the brooding look he gives for about 12 seconds on the tail end of it Mm -hmm. Uh, where it's just you know lights on nobody home it you know it is the most vacant stare i don't know what meaning he was trying to convey as an actor but what came across was rice (laughs) It's like, is he thinking about just the blandest, whitest rice there is? Because that's what I'm getting. Um, anyway. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, we this... don't have to return to him for the rest of the episode, though, so that's good. Uh, but we do get to see uh, a scene of one Benjamin Horn. Yeah, we've not seen him properly in a wee while and like we said before when we got a glimpse of him things are not going great for this guy he's kind of let himself go a little bit he's kind of holed up in his office and um, he's kind of doing the Chevy Chase thing uh, in the attic from (laughs) Christmas Vacation where he's watching the old family movies twinkling his eye remembering better days Bo better days yeah and uh, it reminded me uh, just to show you where my allegiance lies, it reminded me more of A Home for the Holidays when Charles Durning is down in his basement watching the, mm-hmm. the old home videos. 
much more yep. touching scene, really. Um, <laughs> Didn't know it was a competition, Bo, sorry. Um, oh, I cried well, in this scene. Well, let's just remember Benjamin Horn, not a nice character. Not a nice character. Um, so, so he's watching, it's essentially like an old movie of when his parents buy the land to build the hotel. Yeah, and there's a lot of him and Brother Jerry, and he's feeling alone right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, battered, he is. He has given away uh, the sawmill. He doesn't have Ghostwood Estates. Uh, the only thing he really has going for him right now is this hotel. Yeah, and uh, in walks Hank. Yep, everyone's favorite party killer. Yeah, and he has a really dumb like almost Schwarzenegger-esque line when like Ben Horn is like, where have you been? And he's like, I gotta tell you, Ben, it's been a killer week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're just like, oh no. You're like, boo! Boo, boo Hank, boo. Do boo. not make puns about murder. Um. Anyway, so he's basically there just to be like, hey, there's kind of a new game in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, that game is Jean Renault. This kind of maniacally tickles Benjamin Horn, uh, who starts laughing weirdly and basically tells him that he's done a deal with the devil. Yeah. The uh, French devil. The French Canadian devil. Oh, now you're <laughs> in hell. <laughs> would you like some zaps potato chips that's what we have in hell i get a feeling that's an american joke i get a feeling that our, the majority of our american li- listeners are really laughing at that going that bow is a funny motherfucker probably not i mean it's never been said before um <laughs> But he's probably saying, uh-huh, would you like some crisps? That's almost certainly. That's uh-huh. All we have in hell are bin lorries. <laughs> oh, you, you back off, bitch. I like the fact that Ben Horn calls Hank a goon in this scene. Yeah. Like, and because that's what he is. He's a goon. Yeah. I'm yep. a goon. Um, <laughs> be careful with that G make sure you land on that hard um, but yeah so it's basically just a whole scene of you know hey Ben Horn is now officially out and is going kind of bananas yeah. um, meanwhile speaking of the Great Northern Agent Cooper gets a message from uh Wyndham Earl. Yep, remember him? Yep, I do remember him. He is Agent Cooper's former partner that was in a home for the criminally insane. Mm-hmm. And now he's on the loose and has been sending chess moves to Agent Cooper. And he gets another one. Uh, and this time there is an accompanying um, audio tape, a micro cassette. And it's Wyndham Earl saying, hey, you probably saw that my opening move was quite traditional. And it's 
like literally playing chess against his opponent. Yeah. He, he presses the play button and he hears, Hello, Agent Cooper. I'm going to play a game. He's like, that. Oh, no, this is Jigsaw. And he's like, that. No, it's. <coughs> <coughs> Hello, Bean. This is Windermill. Let's play some chess. Um, and that's, yeah, he, he makes his next move. Um, and. Yeah, the, the, this is this is our this is our big bad at the moment. This is his, uh, this is a guy who's very clever, very cunning. Um, on some level, embodies a lot of the things that we kind of want from the the potential doppelganger scenario of the Black Lodge. Um, and he's 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 got vengeance in his heart, and he's coming for Cooper. And the game is afoot. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna kill you, old bean. Um, <laughs> murder. That's the that's the word of the day. Good old <laughs> murder, fashioned murder. <laughs> Come on, kids, gather round. We're gonna murder this cat. Um, <laughs> it's terrific. I don't know. The boys at my school say that murder's bad. Don't listen well, to them, Jimmy. Here, little, <laughs> listen here, little Timmy. You can shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> Come on. Get some blood on your hands. It's the only way to really feel like a god. You want to feel like <laughs> now, a god, don't you, Timmy? You want to feel like a guy? Touch my penis. Touch it. Oh. Ooh. Oh, so, Bo. Oh. Bo, you are so fucking reprehensible. You always have to turn it that way. I told you I was in a mood. Um, <laughs> Mr. Data. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> fuck. All right, let's talk about this stupid <laughs> wedding. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna oh. just glance over this. So the wedding is happening. The woman, of course, is way too young for the dude. Uh, the the priest calls for um, any objections. At which point, the mayor's brother, the other Milford, stands up and, of course, objects. And uh, then that brother is led away and then that's kind of it until we get to the reception, the reception, uh, because he gets a call from, uh, Denise and is like, Hey, uh, I'm in my room. And Denise is like, would you, you said we were going to hang out. Let's go hang out. Don't come on. Don't be an asshole. Like I showed up having transitioned from man to woman and you can't walk the 30 goddamn feet to the bar. And he's like, wow, you're aggressive for a woman. And he's, Denise is like, it's the hormones. Um, yeah. <laughs> but so he, uh, so he shows up. Uh, a quick note, the worst table in the world is yeah. one of the Milford brothers, Pete Martell and the log lady. Yeah, it's just a table where, remember remember the good old days where we had a table where Hawk was there and, and Asian Kipper and it was dark outside and they were in the same room. And there was all these conversate these potential conversations of existential existence and other planes, dimensional thought, constructs of the mind. Um, that is not happening here. This this table is just nonsense. Yeah. It, it God. I mean, Pete Martell's your best bet. Yeah. But, but then again, when your best bet Bo is a man that puts a fish in your coffee. Yeah, you're you're in you're in a bad bad way. You, you're way better <laughs> off being with uh, Agent Cooper and Denise because that at least is going to be interesting. Um, 
and it kind of is. So Denise shows up and she's like, Hey, or he is like, Hey, um, I, so we found cocaine in your car and it looks bad. And you know, you're probably kind of fucked here maybe. And he's like, well, can you help me out? Like he does a real Trump, like, Hey, what if you made all this go away? And, um, (laughs) allegedly, allegedly. Yeah. And Denise Comey's up and is like, uh, I can't, uh, we're getting into a bit of a delicate area there, but Mm -hmm. I'm also trying to help you. Um, and then Coop finally asks like, what, what happened? Like, (laughs) like when did it go from Dennis to Denise? And it turns out like, it's actually a pretty like it's not a ludicrous story was the thing that struck me about this. Was no, it's, that... it it kind of like on some level, okay, you know, it's completely plausible. Yeah, and the deal was that they were working um, a, a vice ca- or a case that involved like transvestite hookers, and Dennis Bryson at the time dressed up like a lady and found that he liked it and just over time became denise and that was sort of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there you go um and then uh uh, let's see what else is going on here stupid wedding shit oh okay um we get to (laughs) there's some talk on the table of pete martell who gives a shit nothing happens the last thing that we have to uh really get into prior to um the big reveal at the end which is stupid two ways um yeah is that we have a little bit of dancing time with agent cooper and audrey that's kind of nice and deputy andy uh dancing with denise um and his expression looks like it's the first time he ever danced with a human being uh like sexuality aside this is just him enjoying his first time at anything Mm. um so anyway let's abandon all the interesting characters for a moment and go to uh see you next tuesday Catherine martell and josie packard who are continuing a storyline we all thought nay hoped was dead uh yeah (laughs) yeah what bull (laughs) say And so Catherine Martell is like, hey, um, why should I be helping you again? Because Josie Packer has come to her and is like, hey, you're going to be hurt. Somebody is going to kill you. And mm-hmm. it's it's this guy that I was working for. I can't go anywhere else right now. So I'm kind of I, I come to you to both warn you and to throw myself at your feet to beg for your mercy and hope that you will give me some shelter from this guy as well. And because see you next Tuesday, Catherine Martell's brain is nothing but a soup of sitcoms. Yeah. Where like she books too many people to the same dance. She's dressing up in costumes to pull one over. And in this case, her scheme is you're going to be my maid then. Yeah, it's like, she's like that. My character did one of the most racially offensive things possible as I Asian'd up and put on a horrible, 
horrible impression, a, a, a very racist impression. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Most honourable. See you next Tuesday. Full of respect. <laughs> is there any way to redeem my character? Yeah, force slavery. There we go. Force slavery. That's 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 how I redeem myself. Um, which is what she does with much glee. Um, she she sends uh, Josie Packard uh, off to do her bidding, and then the camera pans, and um, Connell Cochran. Uh, from Season of the Witch, Halloween 3, uh, <laughs> comes out. Um, he is searching for Stonehenge um, in a ploy to make these creepy silver shamrock masks, which will be worn by children all over the planet r- right at the right time when an advertisement will play which will strike off the death of all children on um, on Sam Wayne. Uh, yeah, absolutely accurate. It That's would, exactly what happens in this scene. It would be great if Tom Atkins just opened the door and was like, "Hey, you guys doing a show in here?" And <laughs> like, like the, the door opens in the background, and Tom Atkins is still going, "Stop it!" Right? <laughs> He's just like doing it for a decade. <laughs> are, are you crazy? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know what my Tom Atkins sounds like. He's from Chicago. I don't know why it's either. He's like some weird cross between fucking a wise guy and, and Jim Belushi. Um, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Jim Belushi also in the new season of Twin Peaks. Really? Um, yeah. All right. Um, just, just saying. Just saying. Um, no spoilers. No spoilers. No backsies. Um Twin Peaks, he's, yeah, so he comes out and he's like, yeah, this is this is how I talk, which is in complete contrast to how you talk, my dear. Yes, but I'm your brother, but we don't worry about these things in a show which has so many inconsistencies. <laughs> um, which is literally the weirdest monologue. So basically, he has faked his death um, and now is the opportune moment after Catherine Martell also faked her death and played a racist stereotype character. Um, now's the time for him to emerge from the shadows at her weakest moment to lure his enemies out. And he basically is Darth Maul in this situation. He's like, finally, we will have our revenge. Um, and yeah, it's a shite ending. And it's a pretty generic... These are the sort of things that you got in the soap operas of the time. It, yeah, it really was. Like, it's no longer a parody of that. It just kind of is that thing. It is that, yeah. It's jumped the shark. It's almost like the shark jumped it. Ooh. Because it's Lynch. Um, yeah, it is. But, yeah, it, yeah it's real stupid. Although, now that you've said it, I'm, I can't help but laugh about the accent difference. My name is Andrew... Uh, Packard. Yeah, that's what it was. Andrew Packard. I yep. forgot his uh, first name for a second, and then I got it right and forgot the last name. Um, my name is Andrew Packard. Basil Andrew Packard. <laughs> and <laughs> it is. It is. It's just so weird and so not the same, and just so. And obviously, they've got an actor in who can only do that accent. So. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it was it was a different time in television history when nobody gave a shit. Um Yeah. So yeah, so Andrew Packard's back. Ugh. All right. I mean, it's the thing is we're sitting on we're sitting on gold here, McLeish, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is we got a whole like missing major slash white lodge black lodge thing to get into. And we're ending the show on the return of Andrew Packard, which is a character I, we've thought was dead the entire show. Yeah, and nobody cared. Everybody was okay it, with that. Yeah, it's a missing, you know, there's a missing major, a white lodge, black lodge thing. We have a, a, a Wyndham Errol game of chess getting played out here. We have David Duchovny and Drag. We've got so many things which are really interesting that we could be focusing on, and this is just shite. Um, and I would love to say that this is not something that will feature heavily and be paid off in the least interesting way moving forward. Um, and because we don't do spoilers, I'm not allowed to say it, and I won't say it. So, yay! Yay! Um, ugh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real an up and down. Yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster episode. It's up and down all over the place, to be honest with you. And the highs are really interesting, and the lows are just lazy. Yeah, and I mean that's the the frustrating thing about this episode in particular is that it's it's so close to being a great Twin Peaks episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you had ended on the Wyndham Earl thing. Yeah. Then you would have been fine. And instead we do this whole Andrew Packard bit, but it, yeah, it's just, that's the story of the back end of season two is there are, are moments that are fantastic uh, because it's still twin peaks and it's still capable of greatness, mm-hmm. but man, there's a lot of garbage. Um, yeah. There's still characters in here with stories that I want to explore. But there's just there happens to be a lot of characters that I don't care about, um, and unfortunately there's a disproportionate amount of time spent with those characters that I don't care about, um, and looking into their stories. Certain stories have vanished at the moment that will make a reappearance. We've not seen Shelley and Leo um, yeah. in this episode. You know they 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 vanished pretty quick. Um, Donna got out just in time. In this episode, <laughs> right. uh, she was like, "I'm out of this fucker." Um, so yes, yeah, so like the, there are there are elements where we will come back and we will start tackling other bits and bobs with certain characters. But at the moment, um, yeah, it's a it's a fairly shit cliffhanger for your mid season break. Yeah, it's like a character that we had no interest with returns to his sister that no one likes. Um, <laughs> surprise it, it it's yeah it's a, it, exceptionally frustrating um but uh at the same time uh there is still some goodness that lies ahead um some of these storylines like they don't necessarily pay off all that well but they're still a lot of fun and as we discussed with the new episodes of twin peaks if you're there for the destination you're watching the wrong show so exactly um, there, there's still some fun stuff, and and next episode we get into Nadine and wrestling, mm-hmm. um, which is just as horrible as you think it would. Be. <laughs>
it's it's real dumb and we've got we've got some more action with james and the lady that he can't remember her name because i can't remember her name Um, yeah and james and i have become one uh (laughs) any other parting thoughts on this this you know c minus episode is it a c minus or a d plus let's say c minus because we did get some classic hawk yeah all right this is a (laughs) Ooh, it might just be a c episode that scene with hawk is pretty fantastic yeah pretty amazing those elevate every time we get them i can overlook a whole hell of a lot of shit um yeah parting thoughts uh me and bo are forced into doing this now we cannot quit uh (laughs) So, and the, like I say, the frustrating thing is that I know that there's a there's a good three or four episodes in in this final eleven um, that I get really excited about that I think are really cool, um, and I'm looking forward to getting in to them. Uh, and if it could be that one of those episodes landed on each of our recordings i would be overjoyed that's not necessarily how they will work but that does mean we'll get at least one episode with two bitching episodes back to back so yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna roll through this we're then gonna hit fire walk with me where i finally get to unpack some of the things that i've been holding out on season one and season two some of the symbolism which is is so cleverly used by david lynch um, I can give you a teaser if you want, Bo. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you just put the tip in? I'll just give you a little teaser. Um, Whelan Palmer, during his daughter's death. Right? He's like, when she's getting buried. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. Falls falls on top of the coffin. Right? Mm-hmm. What does the coffin start doing? Bouncing up and down. Almost as if he's making the sexy with her. Yeah, as, yeah. All right. All yeah. right. As the mother screams, you know, don't ruin this, don't ruin this for me. Almost as if she was aware of the whole situation all along. Well, Duncan McUnleashed. And yeah, and that's right back, right back in season one. And we get the backstory of all that, and that's where things get super interesting. And there is there's a surprising amount of things that tie in quite nicely. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And then we get to roll it in the new season, which we are at the one third of the way through the, this this experience of season three as it stands just now. Bo has experienced none of it. I am watching it every single week. And um I can't wait I can't wait to play catch up and uh with Bo joining along and discussing them because there's so much to discuss. So much stuff. So we have to wade through some Fairly mediocre episodes, but I think once we get towards the end of season two, it's pretty much gold from there. Boom. So yeah, I can do it if you can do it. Yeah. And listeners, you're not going anywhere. You're the ones who asked for this. Well, listener, one one listener asked yeah, and the rest right. have been subjected. Yeah, this is what we're doing this year, ladies and gents. This this run of shows will not finish till likely October. Um unless we play quite good at the catch up game, which means September. Uh and I imagine at that point, me and Bo will be taking a couple of weeks off. <laughs> nope. We are starting uh, Gunsmoke. <laughs> it is going to be Duncan and Bo go to Bonanza. 
Yeah, Duncan and Bo are going to kick into Duncan and Bo go to X-Files. All the seasons before the season we've already discussed. Yep. All nine seasons, 22 episodes each. We'll be doing this show forever. I, like, at a, you know, flash forward five years where we're just, like, leaning on the mics. And <laughs> just like, uh-huh, fart, fart. Everybody's having fun. <laughs> I, I, what I'm looking forward to is that... <laughs> What <laughs> I'm looking forward to is that you know where we get we get through this and we we tackle the next thing that I know we're both really interested. Because both of us, the thing about it is we would not have said we're doing Twin Peaks and done taking that commitment lightly. Both of us had watched Twin Peaks in its entirety before, so we knew what we were getting into, and we knew from the moment we started recording the very first episode that we were going to hit this spot. Um, and it didn't deter us then. It still doesn't deter me now. We'll wake our way through it. Yeah, um, honestly, I'm more excited to go through these episodes than I ever have been. Yeah, because you're. I I feel like I am. I'm having fun with it, which I think is the, the difference. In the past, I've looked at them with a more kind of serious, critical eye, and I think there's. I think us doing this the show the ways the way they were doing them just now sometimes amplifies the ridiculousness of the scenes which makes them more enjoyable um and yeah i, I think like i see there is still a whole lot of story to come out here um which is pretty cool and there are snippets throughout the episodes um which get me excited and i've, I've you know i've never I've never reviewed Twin Peaks like this before, so I, and it has been several years since I've seen the back half of season two. So you never know; I might like more than I dislike the second half. Uh, stranger things have happened. Yeah, and and given the fact that we have characters that would normally just be irritating, that mm-hmm. are kind of fun to watch on screen now because I get to think about goofing on those scenes. Yeah, you know, like anytime James shows up, I don't care what he's doing. I'm just like, oh, just give me gold here. Anything, yeah. just say or do anything. Um, <laughs> and then he doesn't, and you're just like, oh, that's your subtle brilliance, James Early. The emotive content of a <laughs> brick. Uh, <laughs> it's just nothing. It's just nothing behind those eyes. And that's why I think James Hurley is the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, a, a really dumb serial killer. Um, at the Must end of be. the day, we're going to learn that it was him all along. Like, why on earth is Bob not knocking on James's door? I'd... You know? Like, hey, you know, uh, you're not doing anything with your head. Do you mind if I use it for a while? <laughs> And he'll he'll just be like, you'll look like Laura. And it's like, all right, I'm going to take that as a yes, man. You're, you are rough book, as we mm-hmm. say in the car game. It's, uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it, like, the, yeah. We're, we're, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's an argument for that, though. <laughs> I think that's a discussion for another time. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um... You can find this show and others at legionpodcasts.com. And seriously, listeners, don't let this show 
be the example you use to judge others by. Those shows, <laughs> people care. They're they're taking time. They're trying to produce something of quality, something that's good, something enjoyable. We just mm-hmm. do this as a goof. This yes. is, I mean, honestly, it's part, it's part therapy. It's part confessional. Uh, it's part workshopping for a solid five minutes at the Chuckle Hut. Yep, it's part um, idea hut. I it's an idea machine. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a, a a sweet sweet aphrodisiac. Sometimes. Um, I I don't know, man. I think all the time. You just all the time. Tell you what, you throw them headphones on, kick back in bed, let Duncan and Bo rack you to sleep. <laughs> All right, uh, Duncan, before we, we put a, a button on this, uh, tell everyone where they can find you, and then we're going to stop this. As always, you can find me at the podcast Under the Stairs, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast or teaputzcast.com um, and on iTunes and obviously on Legion Podcasts. All right, everybody. We're just going to say one more thank you for listening tonight. Duncan and Bo will be back very shortly. In fact, less than a week to continue the exploration of the television series Twin Peaks. Uh, how about you say goodnight, Duncan? Um, good night, Bo, and uh, you uh, take care now. You do the same, buddy. We'll talk to everybody soon.